I believe humans are in such discord because we're always looking to the external for that safety. And if you're never taught have internal safety, then that's why we're so miserable because we're always waiting for an external factor to make us feel safe. If I have money, I'm safe. If I marry the right person, I'm safe. If my children are healthy, I'm safe. If we don't have a global pandemic, I'm safe, right? But then when something happens that trips that up, we're all of a sudden not safe anymore. And then we're in a dysregulated state. Do you want to wake up feeling like you're stepping into who you're meant to be? Into the best possible version of you? What if I told you that the key to your best life, health, and happiness are all around you? You just have to find what works for you. I'm Hope Pedraza, and I believe that there isn't just one way to live a healthy and meaningful life, and that all you need is a little inspiration to make changes that last from the inside out. Each week, I'll be sharing tangible tips and inspirational interviews to help you on your journey. These are the steps to take to improve your life and live with purpose. This is Hopeful and Wholesome. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Hopeful and Wholesome. Today, I have on the show Andy DeLucia. Now, Andy is a trauma-informed mentor and nervous system specialist. She is also the founder of Uprooted, and she's a newly published author of, of a book called How Do I Deal With My Emotions, which is exactly what we're going to talk about today because she really specializes in helping people heal from pain and trauma that's come through situational things that's come through their family lineage and really how to just come home to wholeness and being themselves. And she's really passionate about breaking the stigma around trauma and having real conversations about how to create really safe trauma-informed spaces for people to really be heard and be validated and have your feelings validated around all of this. And so we talked today all about that, what exactly trauma is, what it means to be trauma-informed, how trauma kind of puts itself in our bodies and how that manifests itself in our health and our lives and really great conversation on trauma. She really is great at putting this together in a way that is so easy to understand and easy to follow and really a great way to give you tools to use to be trauma-informed yourself. So let's go ahead and jump in. All right, y'all, let's jump in. I'm here with Andy DeLucia, and we are going to talk all about trauma, trauma-informed work, and the nervous system, what she specializes in. We'll talk about her book. So thanks so much for joining me today, Andy. Thanks, Hope. I'm so excited for being here. Yes, me too. So. Let's kind of start with kind of just the basics here. And can you tell the listeners, I guess, just kind of like kind of a textbook definition of what is trauma? I know that's kind of a loaded question, but. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, trauma is very nuanced. So the textbook definition really is something catastrophic that happens, right? But we have found that it's not actually, that's not really what trauma is. And we're talking about more emotional trauma, right? So like when you hear the word trauma, what's the first thing you think of? It's like someone splitting their head open or some sort of big catastrophic, like Mm -hmm. Hallmark lifetime movie (laughs) kind of situation. Mm -hmm. And really trauma is not those things. I mean, they are those things, but when we're talking about emotional trauma, it's more about the actual experience is not what's really trauma. It's how our body internalizes Mm -hmm. the experience. So that's really taken me back a lot because I was like, I spent a lot of time in therapy trying to understand why I had certain feelings. You know, I was emancipated at the age of 13 years old. Mm -hmm. Obviously I have a traumatic background, 
But it wasn't just the individual experiences that have kind of brought me to where I am today. It's Mm -hmm. more about how my body internalized those experiences, Mm -hmm. the stories, the narratives that I've attached to them. And also what happened in my nervous system essentially is how it became Mm -hmm. dysregulated from like all of that, those experiences compounding and creating this stress response. Right. Yeah. And I want to kind of unpack that a little bit because I think like, I feel like more and more, and it may be just in my world, you know, I start, I'm starting to see a lot more of like people being trauma informed and using that in their coaching and running their business and stuff. And I think a lot of times there's just kind of like this either kind of convoluted meaning. I'm like, what does it mean to dysregulate your nervous system? Can, Can you kind of explain what that means too? Like, you talk about regulating your nervous system and having this trauma to kind of like bring you out of that regulation. So what exactly does that mean? Well, so to address the first point that you said around the trauma informed, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times people have in our world, I would say in this coaching mm-hmm. industry world, this personal development world, they've really addressed trauma informed as that it's like something mm-hmm. like that because they've gone through an experience that makes you trauma informed. Right. Right. And I think there's a lot of disconnect there because yes, experience is really important, but becoming trauma informed is really about learning a framework. Mm-hmm. It's really about knowing how to take someone that's in a dysregulated state and be able to support them to come back into their whole self. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like if you are dysregulated and you are working with a coach that's dysregulated, both dysregulation, dysregulated nervous systems really can't create what you want, that impact, that sustainable change that we are all investing a lot of money for, Mm -hmm. right? Essentially. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important that we understand that becoming trauma informed is really about learning that there's a framework so that you don't re-traumatize someone. Mm -hmm. Because even as simple as a modality like EFT, that is a very like worldwide modality at this Mm -hmm. point, can create trauma, can compound trauma. If you are tapping on meridians and you're bringing up emotions that you don't have the capacity for or that you've Mm -hmm. never processed properly, your body will have a visceral response to that. Mm -hmm. And that can throw someone into a trauma loop. And so the work that I do essentially is really to help these coaches and healers and therapists, because not all even therapists are trauma-informed. A lot of times they go to school for all this education, but trauma-informed is selective. You really have to take a deepening, like you have to go to someone that works in trauma, knows trauma, and can support you with learning how to bring someone out of trauma. Mm. And you're not diagnosing, that's not your zone. You're just really working with that person that has that dysregulated nervous system that might have disassociated. Mm -hmm. So the second part is the dysregulation. Mm -hmm. So anytime our body feels unsafe, it goes into a dysregulated state because that is the heightened threat, right? Mm -hmm. So anytime that we're threatened or that what we perceive as a threat, our body goes into fight, flight, freeze, or fawn responses, Mm -hmm. right? That just absolutely naturally happens because that's just the way our body has been designed, right? So We are not evolved like an animal in the wild has been evolved. Like they literally can go in the wild. They can be threatened by another animal, like a tiger or something, a cheetah, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And if they escape that threat, they will shake it off. You will literally see an animal shake off like a dog shakes it off. It metabolizes through their body. Mm -hmm. And then they run off with not a care in the world until they experience a threat again. The difference with humans is, When we experience a threat, 
or what we perceive as a threat, we get stuck in an automatic stress response. And we can't get out of that response Mm -hmm. unless we're supported, unless we've metabolized the trauma properly, unless we've been attuned to properly, like with our children. So if you have a child that goes on their bike and falls, and if you see them fall and you don't respond to them, and you're like, oh, you're fine, get up, you're fine, no big deal. But if they've internalized that Mm -hmm. as not being safe, if you haven't attuned to them the proper way, like maybe going to them, addressing what happened, like, are you okay? How do you feel? Let mommy help you, like really attuned to their needs. Mm -hmm. As something as insignificant as that, where they're totally fine. And as parents, I know of four, I completely Mm -hmm. write off a lot of things that happen to my (laughs) You totally do. Totally do, without (laughs) a care in the world. Yep. But the reason why I'm using this as an example, it's not to shame anybody. It's not for them to be like, oh my God, I traumatized my kids <laughs> because we've all traumatized our kids to be yep, honest. Right. <laughs> but it's really about the awareness now to know that attunement is so important if you want your child to have a regulated nervous system. Right. right. That was good. So I wanted to kind of go into those responses that you were talking about. Can yeah. you kind of just give, I guess, just a little brief explanation of what those are? And I know people are, you know, probably familiar with the fight or flight, but I think a lot of times the other two, I think sometimes people think that's the only response. You're either fight or flight, arrest and digest, right? That's like the only two parts yeah. of it. But can you explain those other few responses that we have? Yeah. So, I mean, like you said, fight or flight, you kind of know, and they're actually pretty similar, to be honest with you. you. The blood is flowing, the cortisol, the adrenaline is really flowing to get you out of that situation. Freeze is really what I describe as freeze as disassociation. Mm -hmm. It's when we're paralyzed. It's like when we're in a moment of when we don't feel safe, we can literally disassociate from our body. We can disconnect from our body. And so we don't feel that pain Mm -hmm. or so that we don't experience it as intensely Mm -hmm. as what it would be, right? right? And so, and the fawn response is really about appeasing. Like when you're in a fawn response, you just want to kind of stay under the radar. So a lot of people describe it as like people pleasing. Mm -hmm. Like they'll just say anything to stay out of trouble. They don't want to rock the boat. They will be submissive to whatever it is they have to be submissive because they're afraid that if they speak up and use their voice, then they're going to be punished or there's going to be some sort of repercussion. So a lot of us are actually are fawning most mm-hmm. of the time. Mm-hmm. You hear a lot of people, especially in like the personal development space where they are people pleasing, right? Mm-hmm. And that's another way of saying they're fawning. They're kind of just, they're not attuning to their own needs mm-hmm. because they're in fear that it's going to do something that's right. going to be some sort of repercussion on the right. other end. Right. And maybe there was at one point or another, maybe they were yelled at for something. Like maybe their father or mother had a very, you know, reactive state And the only way they can stay out of the line of fire is by like just being the shy person Mm -hmm. or the one that really like just is submissive or doesn't talk a lot or isn't like very loud or expansive Mm -hmm. and doesn't take up space. Yeah. But then they kind of get stuck in that response. And now when they have to show up and be visible, they don't know how to do that because they're paralyzed by being visible. They're paralyzed by using their voice. Yeah. I like those two. And and it's, you know, the, the more I've like kind of dove into, you know, just kind of that realm, obviously not special and specializing like you, but I always find it interesting because just as an example, and this is like a pretty like severe example, but in something I was reading, it was talking about like sexual assault, for example. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, you hear people say like, why didn't you do something? Why did you do something? Like literally your nervous system is frozen. Like you are literally paralyzed. You are completely (laughs) shut down. It's like, that's why, like you are literally shut down. And so I think people don't realize like your nervous system is controlling what's going on Mm -hmm. in your body. I think it's, it's important to understand, like it's not a conscious decision, right? It's not a conscious decision. It is a very automatic Mm -hmm. response to keep us alive. Mm -hmm. And I have been, you know, in a situation like that, not to that extreme. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you, I have thought many times, why didn't I say Mm -hmm. something sooner? Mm -hmm. Why didn't I say something? Why didn't I kick them? Why didn't I do something? And when, and again, most of the time we're addressing this with a, this has happened when you were a younger person. Mm -hmm. So you have lots of things going on that are contributing factors here, but those automatic stress responses are kicked in. So this person can basically not experience the intensity at the moment of what's happening to them. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, you know, your, your body is made, like you're talking about, like comparing it to animals, like our body is made to feel safe. Like your body is going to do whatever it has to do to feel safe. And so that's what it's doing. Like it's like frozen. So like you can't know what's, yeah. I really find that like a powerful realization, like that, that your body is just protecting you. So when you're looking at the example, you're talking about the fawn state. So I know a lot of times, you know, we kind of get into, and like you're saying, a lot of us are kind of in this pattern of being, you know, people pleasers or it's either people who, you know, like confrontation and don't want to like, you know, stir things up. Yes, exactly. So, and, and a lot of times, it's that's like deep seated stuff from our childhood. Like you're talking about, like it could be like from religion or whatever. So what are some ways, I guess, two parts to this question. What are some ways that we can wreck? Cause a lot of times you don't even know that you're doing it. Right. So, so what are some ways, right. What are some ways you can recognize it? And then how do we undo all of those like patterns that a lot of times people living with for, you know, decades? Yeah. That's a great question. And you know, there isn't really like a surefire answer because it's so nuanced. Like I said in the beginning, like trauma is so layered. So like, if you are not able to identify what triggers you, Mm -hmm. it's really hard to change that right Mm -hmm. response because it's such an automatic thing that because it happens so quickly. And like, I noticed this with like, with my kids, like my reactivity with them. So my response is not fawning. Mine's more like fight, like mm-hmm. fight and flight, mm-hmm. right? So I would take off. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't actually even recognize I was doing it in that respect until afterwards. I'd be like, why did I react that mm-hmm. way? Like, what's wrong with me? Like, I'm their mother. Why would I react like that? So really it takes an awareness yeah. for you really to be like, what is going on? It's very instinctual. What mm-hmm. we're talking about here is instinct. Yep. Yep. Again, like the animal, it's instinct. So how do you change that? Right. Mm-hmm. So this you're going against your survival yep. essentially. So all you can really do is if you can identify what triggers you, because here's the kicker. We are not responding to a situation at hand. Mm-hmm. We are actually responding to a feeling. Mm-hmm. So let's just go back to like that child falling off a bike. Cause it's a very uninvasive like mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. You know, if she grows up, let's say, and now she's like 15, okay, and something triggers the feeling she felt of falling off the bike. So I fell off the bike. No one really attuned to her. Maybe she had a wound. Maybe she did it. Maybe she was a little sad. Maybe she didn't have anyone hug her or have compassion for her. So now she kind of grew up feeling like 
well, no one cares, right? Mm -hmm. No one really cares about me. Mm -hmm. So maybe she doesn't tell people when she's sad because she's like, no one's going to care anyway. So this continues. So now when you're, she's triggered, instead of it being like, okay, I'm triggered. And when I fell off my bike, or maybe not even remembering the situation, just like, I know when something happens to me and I'm not like, I feel like I can't talk to people or no one comes to me and says, oh, what's wrong? That triggers me Mm -hmm. for a reason. So instead her body just goes into that natural response, which might be, might be fleeing. It might be Mm -hmm. fawning, might be whatever, right? Might even be pursuit, right? I was taught there's another response called pursuit. Mm -hmm. And I love that one because I feel like I've been in that for years, like pursuing the love, pursuing the attention, Mm -hmm. pursuing this, right? So let's just say she's stuck in something like that Mm -hmm. without really recognizing what the trigger is. She doesn't have to remember the situation or even be in a similar situation. Mm -hmm. It's the feeling that it's going to trigger. Right. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So a lot of times, I love what you said earlier. I just want to jump back and piggyback on that. You were talking about safety, right? Mm -hmm. I believe humans are in such discord because Mm -hmm. we're always looking to the external for Mm -hmm. that safety. Yep. And if you're never taught how to have internal safety, then that's why we're so miserable because we're always waiting for an external factor to make us feel safe. If I have money, I'm safe. If I marry the right person, I'm safe. If my children are healthy, I'm safe. If we don't have a global pandemic, I'm (laughs) safe, right? But then when something happens that trips that up, we're all of a sudden not safe anymore. And then we're in a dysregulated state. Whereas if we always had that instilled safety we would know that like the world can fall to shit and like, excuse my language, but we can still be safe inside mm-hmm. of ourselves, right? Right. We don't have to disconnect from those feelings. We can, we're safe. We're not going to die if we just really let ourselves feel what's going on. And I think right. a lot of us avoid that. So I just want to feeling back yeah. on that. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, I mean, honestly, I think that's a great point to bring up is because a lot of times, I mean, because nobody wants to feel sad. Nobody wants to feel mad. You know, people don't want to feel the quote unquote bad emotions. So I think that's a huge yeah. part of it is that we just, we don't want to have to feel them. And so we disassociate exactly. from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. That's what we do. And I feel a lot of us do. So the question that you ask is, and the answer really is about increasing our awareness. Mm-hmm. And that's why I said like, and I wrote that in my book, you know, awareness is the keys, mm-hmm. right? It's the keys to the kingdom essentially. Yep. Cause once you have awareness, now it's like, oh, You can learn how to observe your life differently. I think what happens to us is when we don't have the awareness and something does happen in our life, we end up being the judge and Mm -hmm. being like, what's wrong with me? Why did I do that? And we beat ourselves up, which just compounds the trauma. It doesn't really do anything else, Mm -hmm. but make the wound even deeper and more raw. It's really about saying, you know what? Okay, this triggers me. That's interesting that when he yelled, that triggered me like that. Like, why did I react that way? Oh, that's interesting that when I fell, you know, off the curb, I instantly felt like, like I had to like run and hide. Like I I didn't feel like I could be seen or I, I was ashamed of myself. Right. So these are the things that we always want to be like track. I call them tracking. Mm -hmm. You're tracking your triggers. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great. And you know, it's, I think that's crucial part too. And I don't know if you've ever read Eckhart Tolle's book, but he talks about awareness and awareness is like key and being yeah. like a, an objective observer basically of, of yeah. your life. And I feel like, and, and I talk about that all the time too, in 
with uh, my nutrition clients and for like from a wellness perspective, it's like being aware because, you know, half the time people I talk to, they have no idea how crappy they feel because they don't know what it's like to feel good because they're completely unaware. They've never tuned into their body to be like, oh, wait, I'm tired all the time. My body hurts all the time. It's that awareness piece. And I think, especially for your emotions, I mean, it's the awareness part really is key. It really is. So key. And it was a game changer for me. And and like you, you brought up a good point. We don't want to be aware. A lot of us want to be in denial. Like, because like you said, like with the nutritional stuff, like it's like, if we start to be aware of what's going wrong, and then I got to do something about it. We have to do something if (laughs) we want it to change. And and I feel that way with boundaries. I have Mm -hmm. a whole section in my book about boundaries. Like once we know we need a boundary, it's not enough just to have a boundary. You have to have follow through yep. and a consequence. Right. You just can't have, anybody can have a boundary, but you're going to have pushback on your boundaries from yourself and from outside. So what are you going to do about that? So it's the same thing. It's like, once we have the awareness, then you have the keys. Are you going to get in and drive? Or are you going to stay in park, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's not working either way. But right. Sometimes it distracts us long enough where we don't have to change anything. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. Yep. I totally agree. So when you get into that, into that freeze state where you're just like in that paralyzed state, what has to happen in order to bring yourself down from that? Like what has to happen in order for you to, because that that's a far, that's a like a spot that's really far from being regulated, right? Cause it's like the, it's yeah. like the point past the fight or flight. It's like, you're just deer in the headlights. Yeah. So how do you yeah. get out of that, like bring yourself back down to that regulated state from that point? Well, you know, the whole thing is we want to get as close to baseline as possible. None of us, we're humans, we're living a human experience, we're stressed out all the time. Like you want to get yourself as close to baseline as possible. So like we said, awareness is number one. The next thing is just, it's really about connecting. It's connecting to your body. It's connecting to the parts of you, like I believe that we are made up of parts, right? There's, you know, we can argue that point, but I think there's a part of us that feels disconnected. There's a part of us that feels scared. There's a part of us, right? Our kids watch that inside and outside, inside. What is that movie? Inside, inside out. And out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's like parts of us, right? It so it's is. like really going in and connecting with that part. Regulation is really about calming down your nervous system. So for different people, it's going to require different things. Like mm-hmm. for me, sometimes just being in stillness will regulate my system. Like I can teach you little things like gargling is great for regulation. So if you're feeling like a deer in headlights or you're feeling like out of sorts or, you know, really anxious, just gargle, right? With or without something in your mouth. You can hum, there's humming exercises you can do. Anything that activates the vagus nerve Mm. is really what you're trying to do. I use something called scanning. So I scan my body from the top of my head down to my toes, really just scan everything. And if I feel some sort of alarm or some sort of something that isn't right, I ask myself like, okay, what is that? Like, what doesn't feel good? Like, okay. And then I might say, well, you know, I had a stressful morning with the kids. I had a fight with my husband. Okay. Wonder why my back hurts or wonder why I'm feeling like I'm carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders, right? It's really just that body awareness. It's connecting with ourselves. And then of course, it's having that compassion, like being like, oh, like literally like holding yourself and being like, whew, honey, wow. Like this is hard for you. Like, I am so sorry you are dealing with this right now, but I love you and you are safe. And that's really like what you have to do. And that regulates your system. 
Now, I want to caveat this by saying it's important to be doing this all the time, not just in the state of when you're in that stress response. If you practice this more often than not, you will find that you won't be stuck in those responses as long. It doesn't mean you won't get triggered. It doesn't mean you won't feel pain or that you won't go through trauma or anything like that. You still might react to certain situations the way that you always have, but you're able to shift yourself a lot quicker rather than getting into a place where you're like so stuck that it like takes you down, Mm -hmm. right? Like just takes you down. Because that's where like depression and right. chronic disease is, or chronic yeah. illness is yeah. formed. And, and so we don't want to get to that point. We would rather nip it in the bud. And a lot of us have not had that opportunity because this is really new information mm-hmm. for a lot of us. I mean, I've had chronic illness for since I was 16 years old, mm. which started soon after my own sexual abuse. So I never understood the correlation until now doing that's a, this work. That's I'm like, crazy. oh, right. But my body was in dysregulation. You can have birth trauma and be in dysregulation at birth. So if you don't have that attunement, like if you don't have a caretaker that attunes to you, that can really create safety for you or teach you how to create safety within, we're at a detriment. Unfortunately, there's like, we're going to be in that dysregulated place because we've never been taught otherwise. And if our body is doing what it has to do to stay safe. Yeah. And we have compounded things going on or things that are unresolved. That's why the awareness, it's not about, I always say to people like, it's not about being healed enough or keep healing. Yep. Like that healing is not a destination that we get to. Right. It's a journey that mm-hmm. we're on forever, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. So it's just, if you can get a little bit more aware, if you can connect with your body more every day ask it, what does it need? Ask that part of you, like, what do you need in this moment? Like if you were experiencing that, what you experienced before that you remember, what would you have wanted to happen? What would you have needed to happen to feel better? And then maybe being able to give yourself that through words, through action, through maybe asking your spouse for a hug, maybe writing something in your journal. Like literally you can, you can be very creative. That's why my book is Healing is a masterpiece because it really is about how are you creating this masterpiece for yourself? It's not just one modality or one coach or one therapist or one thing that I say. It's a myriad of things that contribute to your healing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I love that you said that it's a journey is I think, you know, I say that all the time about because the same thing is true about your health, right? Like it's not like at one point you're all of a sudden like, oh, I'm in perfect health and I never have to worry about it ever again. Like it's it's constant journey, especially with someone like you that has dealt with chronic illness or chronic disease, which is mostly what I work with. And so I think it's important to, to, I think that like grace piece is important, like giving yourself grace that it's like, I'm not trying to get to like the end point here. Like I'm just trying to be on this journey. And I think it's all about being able to, just like you were saying, being able to get back to that regulated state quicker. Like that's the thing. You don't just don't want to stay there for prolonged periods of time, like being able to come back to that base level as quickly as possible. I think that's the important part. 100%. That's exactly what it is. And also like going back to that fawn response you were talking about earlier, like after something happens to you, like abuse, sexual, mental, emotional, whatever it is, right? It's like you learn to live your life avoiding abuse. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's very hard to feel safe when you're so hypervigilant about what's happening around you. Yep. 
And so if you're trying to get healthy, let's just use what you do. Like you're nutritionally healthy, right? Like I know nothing about that stuff. Mm-hmm. I might have to have a conversation with you. <laughs> after, but, right? but that's a big factor too, mm-hmm. nutrition. But if you're trying to get healthier in that sense, and you're in an environment that's unhealthy, right? Maybe there's a lot of toxicity. Maybe there's a lot of drinking. Maybe there's a lot of snacks. Maybe there's just, it's an unhealthy environment. Mm-hmm. It's really hard for you to become regulated and all that when you are living in that, right? So this is where the discord comes to with people because it's like, I want to get healthy and I am aware, but my husband's not aware and I still live patterns because Mm -hmm. of my marriage or because Mm -hmm. my children or because of my coworkers or whatever it is. Right. And this is really where the three pillars I wrote in my book, where we have empowerment connection and safety. You have to have empowerment to be able to choose. This doesn't work for me anymore. I don't want to eat like this. So you can eat like that, but I'm going to eat like this, right? right? A lot of times we try to avoid what we have to do for ourselves because we think that it is making someone else feel uncomfortable. Exactly. Mm -hmm. This is all about empowerment. It's like, I'm going to do this for me. I'm going to heal for me. I'm not going to heal because my ex-boyfriend left me and I really want him back. I'm going to heal because I want to heal and I'm empowered in that choice. So this is really why I stress those three pillars that are based in a trauma-informed framework that, that I, the work that I do. But it's important because if we just go about it like, I'm sick, I have to heal because I'm sick, right. that's not sustainable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it's kind of like like the thing I always say is, you know, I'm dealing with people that have multiple like symptoms and stuff. And it's like a lot of times with our help, we wait until we have symptoms to do something about it. And at that point, it's too late. Like now you have to work that much harder to get back to the point where you don't have minutes the same with your trauma, like waiting until you're freaking frozen and for, you know, prolonged period of time, like now it's that much harder for you to get back out of it. So it's, yeah, it's not waiting until, yeah, I like that. I like that. Well, and I really like you were talking about, let's see, what did you say? It triggered something for me. You said about, oh, the empowered piece. And I loved that too, because I think that's the other part that people, and again, I think feel like there's so many crossovers with this. Cause I mean, honestly though, I mean, our emotional health is our health. Like it's all the same. It's all the same. Totally. And there's so many crossovers here, but I feel like I get that a lot too, from people where it's, you know, it's again, it's that kind of, let's not rock the boat kind of situation, mm-hmm. right. Where it's like, yeah. oh, well, but my kids eat this or my husband eats this or, oh, but I, you know, I, I work. And so I don't have time to do this. And it's like finding all the reasons not to, and it's, you don't, again, you don't want to make people feel uncomfortable, but when really it's like, if you just take ownership of you, everything else, like your nobody else's journey is your responsibility. Like it's, it's right. you. so you have to yeah. like coming, like you're talking about from that empowered place where you're yeah. like, no, I'm going to do this for me. I'm going to do it now because my wellness, my happiness, my like emotional stability is what's, what should be top priority. And I think right. a lot of times we don't come, especially as women, right? I mean, I, I did an episode with, I forget the episode. I don't think it's come out yet. Talking about this, how, you know, as women, we're such, we're so great at being martyrs where mm-hmm. we don't take the initiative from that empowered place you're talking about to be like, no, yeah. I'm going to do this for me. Like this is, I'm going to put me first. Yeah. And I love that. And I live it because having four children totally. and wife and I totally get it. And I think what people have to realize and what they fail to not realize sometimes is that you being unhealthy just projects more unhealthiness. So it's like, you might think, oh, I'm not going to change this because it's going to make my kids uncomfortable, my husband or whoever, but you showing up unhealthy 
only projects more of that like hurt people hurt people exactly so it's like you got to think like if you want to stay in a dysregulated state your kids are dysregulated i can tell you right now if you're dysregulated your family's dysregulated because we are able to co-regulate with one another so if i'm regulated if i'm grounded if i'm at peace inner peace you know it doesn't mean everything's perfect but i'm saying like if i'm aware and i take radical responsibility for my emotions i'm not going to project onto anyone else because I'm going to say, this is mine. I own this. Exactly. Whereas we have so many people that are just projecting their crap on everyone else because they don't own it and they don't know how to own it or yeah. they choose not to. Yeah. And this goes into what you do with, you know, the eating piece, the health piece with nutrition is that how do you really feel when you're not taking care of your body? Like, do you really feel good when you're eating like right. crap? Or, right. I know I certainly don't. I know when I'm in a flare up, it's always a reminder like Andrea, like, do you want to live in flare up your whole life? Like, and again, like you said, it's taken me years to get this way mm-hmm. because of the trauma and not right. having the awareness. And it's going to take me years to get out of this. Yeah. Right? And I'm aware of that. Yeah. Then you add in hormones, you add in stress from daily life, you add in all the things. So you're up against a lot of stuff. Yep. Yep. So it's like, what I like to say to myself is, and my clients is what piece can you control? Mm-hmm. If you can control the food that you're eating, then that's the piece that exactly. we work on. Yep. That's it. Yep. That's empowerment. That just in itself is empowerment. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's just taking it. I think when you look at it, like we're like we're talking about, you know, the stress from your past traumas and your career, when you look at it, it's like your brain is like, there's no way this is impossible. But if you take it, like you're saying, just one thing and start small, yep. like small little pieces like that, it's a lot easier to tackle than than thinking like, well, I've got to like, transform my whole life. Like right now, like I yeah. think it's just finding that one piece. I, I love that. So I do want to ask you about your book and you've mentioned it a few times, but I do want to ask your book and I'm going to put a link to it, of course, in the show notes, but can you talk right. a little bit about like what you can expect in your book and like how it's really helping people being able, cause it is called, how do I deal with my emotions, how it's helping yeah. people deal with their emotions? Yeah. So, I mean, I basically wrote the book to validate people's experience, right? So this book is a self-help book. There are pieces of my life kind of just dripped in here and there. But I really just wanted people to understand like healing doesn't have to be such a scary journey, right? It is a journey, but it doesn't have to be scary or dark. It's really beautiful when you can step into the awareness and say, wow, I have choice. Trauma robs us of choice a lot of times when we're younger, especially. Like, I didn't choose to be neglected. I didn't choose who I was birthed into. Like, you know, I don't choose our biological parents. And a lot of us feel like because we didn't have choice then, that still means that we don't have choice now. And that's really where I wanted to come in and be like, oh, no, no, we have choices now. You might not have chose what created to what you feel now, but it's your responsibility to change that, right? Not to be a victim in your life. Like victimhood is not a good state to be in. You can have your moments to throw your pity parties, but it's not a good place to be in because when you live in that victim state, you expect everything else to change for you. And that is a disappointment in itself because Mm -hmm. it usually doesn't change. Mm -hmm. So my book really helps walk you through first, what is trauma? In a layman's terms, like I really get real with people around like, you know, I'm not really an intellect. Like I barely made it out of high school. So my book is a super easy read. It's just something for you to be like, whoa, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. And like, thank you for sharing that. And now that I know, how can I apply this to my life? 
Right. It's not to overwhelm you because I know when we talk about trauma and I try to steer away from this, like my view of trauma is not your textbook view of trauma. Mm -hmm. I have lived and embodied an experience and I speak from that experience. So what you might look up on Google as trauma and you might ask me might not be the same because I have embodied it differently. Right. And I work with myself differently on it. And I work with my clients differently on it. I work with it through like an intuitive lens. Mm -hmm. My body knows what it needs. It just for years has never been able to say what it needed or because it feared it would never get it. So now that I gave it a voice and I listened to it, it speaks up louder. So Mm -hmm. I intuitively know what do you need, right? Even those parts, my younger parts. And this book really speaks to like, asking yourself, like, what do you need? So there's pillars. Like I go through the, uh, it's called the tie-dye method. And I came up with the method. You'll read it in the book. If you get the book about being in the pandemic with my kids, my kids were on the deck. They were making tie-dye pieces. We were bored out of our skin. We had no, (laughs) at this point we were like, what are we going to do with these kids? So we like, Michael's had just opened up. We raided Michael's for tie-dye stuff. We took them outside. They went on the deck. All my girls started doing tie-dye. And I had an epiphany watching them just in a very still moment, probably when my body was regulated from Mm -hmm. all that craziness. And I was like, wow, healing is like this tie-dye piece. Like they took all these colors and they put the elastic bands on them and they dipped them a certain way. And then they like, everything just kind of blended together and it created a very unique piece of art. Mm -hmm. None of it looked the same. And I'm like, that's kind of like how I view healing is like, we take all these different things through our life. And we blend them together and we embody these different pieces at different times. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden we have like this beautiful art piece that has our life, like just all in it. And that's oh, why wow. my cover is tied up. I was just about to say that explains the cover. I love that. Yes, it explains the cover. Yeah. I love it. So, and hopefully we'll have t-shirts soon as well yeah. and products soon. But really my tie-dye method is a trauma-informed method that I teach my clients. And what I do is I go through with a framework layered on top. So it's a very safe space for you Mm -hmm. to get empowered or find your own empowerment. Because I don't believe I give anyone empowerment. That's all within them, Mm -hmm. but also to connect with their body. So establishing that safety so they can connect and they can be comfortable with those uncomfortable feelings. Mm -hmm. And there are things in the book that showcase like that we can be safe inside of that uncomfortableness that Yes, it does take a little bit of dissecting. It takes a little bit of, uh, you know, admitting to like, that bothers me, mm-hmm. or I do need a boundary around that. Or like, what are my standards? Or why am I this martyr in my life? Like, why do I let everyone walk all over me? Or why do I never say no to people, right? So it's really about, I wanted this book essentially to validate wherever you were in your life, whatever traumatic experience, because everyone at some level goes through something traumatic. Everyone goes through trauma. No one is, no, I believe that everyone has trauma, whether it's big T, little T, whatever it is, we all go through some sort of trauma. And it's like, can we validate that for ourselves? For you, like you validate for yourself, but then also feel validated in what I'm writing in this book. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So can you, and you've given a lot of really good examples, but I always like to give little like tangible takeaways. Maybe it's something, you know, you can call out from your book, but what would be, I guess the best, like three is always a good number. So if there's like a few things people can do now that really want to 
people who want to start really like recognizing, you know, what state they're in and being able to like regulate their nervous system, what are some kind of like three or four things people can start doing now to really start regulating themselves? Yeah, that's a great question. So I would say like to start now is, well, I love the scanning your body technique. Mm-hmm. Like you can, you don't need to be straight trained to scan your body. You totally. can do that right now. You could leave this call and you could start scanning your body. Just mm-hmm. start to learn how to be aware of how you feel without minimizing it, without neglecting it, without repressing it, just really feeling it mm-hmm. like in your body. The other thing is simply have compassion for yourself. Mm-hmm. Like that was huge for me. I was so hard on myself all the yeah. time about everything. And I still find myself in that pattern, you know? And it's like really just being like, today was a really hard day, Andrea. And like, it's okay to like, say it sucked. It's okay to be upset right now that things didn't work out with your schedule or with the kids, or maybe you reacted a certain way and you feel like you could have reacted better. But you know what? Like, we're going to forgive ourselves and we're going to have compassion and we're going to love ourselves through this, right? So like, that's something you can do right away. I would also say too, and also with others too, because I think that's Mm -hmm. important to have compassion for others because not everyone if you don't understand what triggers you, if you don't know, other people are also operating from that same place as well, right? We're all operating to stay safe. Mm -hmm. So I would say the other one is if something happens to you, like in your life, instead of like suppressing it, like if it's painful, instead of suppressing it, you express it. Mm -hmm. I have something in the book called name the pain. So that pain could be mom, that pain could be finances. Mm -hmm. That pain could be dishes. (laughs) Sometimes it is, right? (laughs) Laundry. Totally. Yes. Right. Name the pain. Give it a name. Give it a personality. Give it a voice. Give it a look. What is the vibe of that pain? And then don't suppress it. Just let it be present. Like let it not drive the vehicle, but let it ride passenger for a little while without being like, Oh my God, I have to go drink a bottle of wine. I have to go do this. I have to right. oh, go jump on another workout video. Like, oh, I got to binge on Netflix. Like, just like be allowing it to kind of just be in your vicinity. Because what this is doing is it's building capacity for more intensities. Right. So if you can start with like a smaller thing, like naming the pain being like a smaller thing, like an everyday, what I call like surface level stuff you get comfortable, you start building the capacity for the larger stuff that, mm-hmm. and that eventually won't take you under like you described yeah. earlier. Yeah, yeah. And I would say that if you are feeling triggered, like if you are feeling some sort of way about some situation or something to not ignore it, because your body never lies. Your yep. mind distorts things. Mm-hmm. Your mind does not remember it how you remember it. It actually, in the reticulator activating system, it literally stores information and it distorts information. Mm-hmm. So like you might be like, oh, this person did this to me, blah, 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 blah. No, you could be attaching that trigger onto mm-hmm. the situation and formulate your own, what yep. you think is your truth. Yep. But that's not the truth. Yep. So When something triggers you, like it right here in the moment, it's to really not rely on your mind as the teller, as the truth teller, but it's to really check in and be like, oh, okay, well, there's a reason why I'm triggered, but maybe what is that reason? And I'm not saying you have to go into that work because that might be something you should be doing with facilitated, right? but it's important to just to have the acknowledgement. And then maybe start tracking it, write it down. I know I write down in a notebook, like what triggers me? Like 
sometimes it's like when my kids are fighting, I've noticed like how triggered I get when they fight. It's like, why does that trigger me so much? Right. Where it doesn't trigger my husband. Like my husband can lay on the couch. They could be all out brawling. And he's like, (laughs) knock it off. Be quiet. And I'm like screaming bloody murder because I'm so triggered by it. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's like how I know this affects me more. But now something else they could do might not affect me so much, but it might affect my husband. Right. Right. So like, we'll go to a restaurant with my kids and my kids are older now. So this is not, doesn't apply as much. But they'll be like, at, like they'll be just like asking questions mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. touching things and wanting mm-hmm. to draw or play with the salt and pepper shakers. And my husband would be like losing it. But for me, it's like, they're just kids. Right, What's right, wrong with you? Right. Your expectations are too high. They're just, we took them to a restaurant. He's freaking out. And I'm like, it's interesting how that doesn't trigger me, but that does. Absolutely. So I share this to say, to just start to like understand and become aware of like, what does trigger you? What are your yeah. emotions? Like, mm-hmm. what are your emotions? Yeah, I think that's, I mean, most important question. What are your emotions? Absolutely. What are your emotions? Yep. You have them. You might suppress them, but you have them. And so I talk about this in the book too, is like, we've all, I feel like have been conditioned to believe like emotions are bad. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, you should be over that by now. Don't feel like that. Oh, push it under the rug. Yep. Yep. Like when you walk into like your aunt's house, don't show that you've been having a fight or sad or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's important that we actually don't do that. How do we feel? How are we addressing our emotions with ourselves and with others? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, no, I think that's super important. Well, and again, like we were saying before is, yeah, we're, I guess our culture, yeah, is the way to say is the, we're not, we don't, we don't want to feel them. We don't want to feel the things and we don't want to like, just know you're okay. You're okay. So it's, I think that's probably step number one, like just feel, yeah. feel your emotions. Like, yes, it's such good advice. So I do like to ask every end up with the same question I ask everyone, but before I do that, can you tell, and of course I'll have a link to your book in the show notes, but can you sure. tell everybody where else they can find more out about you and what you're doing and working with you as a trauma informed mentor? Yes, absolutely. So I'm on Facebook, uh, Andrea Poison Delusha. I'm also on Instagram at Andy underscore Delusha. And my website is andydelusha.com. Of course, my book is on Amazon. I think I think that's all the places. I love a podcast coming soon. Perfect. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. All the places. Yeah. Very and cool. I'm a message away. Literally, like, I love getting up close and personal with people and talking to them. Like, one of my biggest core values is being like approachable so people mm-hmm. can come to me and really explore these things. Cause mm-hmm. I think what has always kind of, I've had resistance around talk. I think we all have in a sense, like it's been stigmatized for so mm-hmm. long. Like traumas just had this stigmatized thing where it's like shameful and it's like yep. bad yep. to talk about feelings. And I really wanted to open this conversation up. Like we're doing right here is like, we can have a conversation about this. It's not a bad thing. It's actually a really healthy thing Mm -hmm. to address, you know, your emotions and how you feel. So if anyone, you know, I I'm literally, like I say, an email or a message away. Yeah. Perfect. And I'll have the links to all of that. So if anybody wants to get in touch with Andy, I'll have the links to that. The last question I have to ask you, what do you think is the most important thing you can do to live with purpose? That's a beautiful question. I think it's, it's funny. Purpose has been coming up a lot in my life, like in that conversation. <laughs> and I just recently have been really exploring that a little bit more. And I think that to live with purpose for myself really is about living in that authentic authenticity. Like your purpose 
I don't know if we ever really know fully what our purpose is, but what if our purpose was like right now, like this podcast interview was my purpose right now Mm -hmm. for someone to take away something to reach someone, right? So I stopped living for purpose as like this outside thing where I'm reaching, constantly striving for, and more about just like how I'm living my life every day. And am I being authentic? Am I in integrity with me? Not that I'm in integrity with everyone else, but are my standards high enough for me? Are they what feels good? Am I in a place where I can lay my head on the bed every night and be like, I've lived in the moments that I wanted to chose to live in those moments in the way that I wanted to, instead of feeling like I had to do it for someone else or had to be for someone else, Mm -hmm. you know? And even in those tougher moments, maybe that was the purpose to have those tough moments. So I can now speak about them and teach about them. Yeah. I am. I love that. I love that. I think that's a great lesson and a perfect takeaway. Thank you so much for this, Annie. This was super informative. And thank you. I mean, so much good information that people can take it with them. So thank you for sharing and for being so open and, and really being someone to like start these important conversations. I, I think it's important. Yeah. Thanks, Hope. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to Hopeful and Wholesome, y'all. If you found value in this week's episode, please subscribe on iTunes wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review to let me know what you thought. I'd love to know what you find useful in these episodes so I know how I can provide the most value I can to my listeners. And if you have topics that you want to know more about, I'd love to hear those as well. So shoot me a message on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. It's at the Hope Pedraza or visit my website, hopefulandwholesome.com. Thanks, y'all.